to write their alignment. Sometimes I wonder when they write that. They write that just one verse to say. It wasn't meant for the lead, right? Well, it's good to see everyone that made it back. Uh, again, a couple of things I want to bring to your attention. Uh, we do want to uh, uh, remember that we are going to be reading our Bible through again this year. And uh, let me just tell you this, that if you've never read your Bible through, there's nothing like the present time. And I've had people tell me that, well, I don't have to go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. You're right, you don't. But the reality is, is that it, if you want to have a good understanding of what the next chapter is all about, it's nice to be able to read it in that way, and then you're not just hitting and missing. One of the things I told people, or I've been telling people a lot right along, that if you take your Bible and you break it down to where you read five chapters a day, every day, you will literally read the entire Bible through and still have a couple of months to spare. So it's not like it's difficult to read uh, the Bible through. And it's a good way for someone who's never read the King James or to understand the punctuation for them to be able to read it and to understand it as well. So we are going to do that and I uh, want to encourage you. I did put some questions down in the back of the NASMA uh, <coughs> sheet. So uh, if you want to look at that, you can. Uh, those will help you in uh, the guidance, and then I will use the uh, following weeks to kind of give you the answer to those as well. And some of those are very easy, especially as you're looking at the beginning. Uh, the book of Psalms can be some real tricky areas to be able to come up with uh, good questions that you want to write to, but we'll kind of go from there with it. We're going to go back to uh, the second part of learning from Abraham, and uh, as we stated, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 12. Uh, for our beginning, and I want us to uh, go in from there, and I, we're going to look at several parts. First of all, the beginning faith, or what we call partial faith. And so, let's put it this way. I, I know many of you men and women that are here today that you're spiritual giants, and that you love the Lord your God, you're here every Sunday that you can be, and that you just enjoy the things of God that are written. But that doesn't make us, uh, uh, you know, prevent us from being under attack. But isn't it interesting that the attacks that we have are going to come very early in our ministry? A little bit further down, we're going to be going on to uh, trying to rush God. How many of us have ever heard the promises of God in our lives and we try to rush God and uh, only to fail, only to find that we're going to fail? And then to have his established word back to us and then... God fulfilling his promise through us. And so I want us to see that as well today. So let's take our Bibles. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to go down to verse 10. And uh, we're going to read from verses 10 to 13 as we look at the immediate trials of faith that occurred in Abraham's life. Once again, this is learning from Abram or Abraham part 2. And there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass, when he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarai, his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass, when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife and they shall kill me, but save thee alive. Let us pray. Father, again, we want to ask you to help us to understand the things that are given from the Scripture that we might learn 
from the examples that you give us. There is an importance to the Torah. The Pentateuch is written in such a way, Father, that we can see it literally in the chronological order of things. And as Brother Randy made a comment a little bit earlier, we don't know how grievous was the sins in the days of Noah. It's hard for us to imagine that the sins of the present time could be any less than the days of Noah, but Father, you know all things, and you experience all things. And so, Lord, I pray that you will give grace where grace is due even today. Help us to be faithful to, to shore up those things that are within us, that we may tell others of Christ in a very powerful and meaningful way. So guide and bless and watch over us in all things, and we will rejoice in you. In Christ we pray. Amen. As we begin our particular lesson today, there are several things I want us to understand about what we call a newfound faith. It is interesting to me that when you are new in the faith that you're going to be bombarded with questions that you can't answer. Someone asked me when I was first saved, how was I saved? You know what my answer was? All I remember is that I was saved. I didn't know the in and out of it. I didn't know about the Holy Spirit and His intervention. I didn't know about the entire work. That is why when a person makes their confession of faith with Christ, then we don't wait to start teaching them. We baptize and then begin to teach them right away. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Turn with me to the Gospel of John. And we're going to go to chapter 9. And again, this is a blind man had never seen Jesus, very much like what we uh, experience today. And this blind man was one that he had to face not only the, the ridicule of the people that were around him, but also to experience religious questions. Look at verse 1. And Jesus passed by, and he saw a man which was born blind from his birth. And his disciples asked the religious question of the ages. And this is one that we still face today. Master, who did sin? This man or his parents that he might be born blind. How many of us have ever heard that statement? Everywhere we go, it's like, well, if you sin, you know, if there's sin that's come into your life, if you had wickedness that came in your life, well, then you did something that you deserve it. And, you know, it's even in our churches that we hear these kind of things. And yet, what did the Lord have to say about this? And the Lord said, neither. Oh, my goodness, you know, I'm going to release you guys to preach the word of God to the entire world, and this is your mentality? No! its place. We are experiencing old age problems like we've never experienced before. We are experiencing things that uh, are geriatric in nature and literally the, the, the study of, of uh, these older ones diseases, you know, we all are affected by them. I get up in the morning and, and the first thing I hear is snap, crackle, pop and that's before I ever pour milk on my cereal. I mean, my knees give a snap, crackle, and pop sound all the time. But I don't feel bad. Thank God I don't feel bad. Now watch. Someone says I just cursed myself. So the Lord makes a little salve on the ground, and he goes and tells the man, go wash in the pool of Siloam. He did exactly what the Lord commanded him to do. And when he came back, he could see such that he could hear people's voices, and he goes, I know you. I know you.
said, is, is this not he that said and begged? Some said, this is he. Others said, it is like him. But he said, oh no, it's me. It's me. Well, how did you get your the Lord made some salve, he put some dirt upon my eyes, I went and obeyed, and I washed, and guess what, I now have my sight. Well, later on, the religious people came and got a hold of him. Well, we know that this man, This. And he goes, look at this. And in, in verse 26, and he said unto them again, What did he do to thee? How opened thee thine eyes? He answered and said, I have told you already, and you did not hear. Wherefore would you hear it again? Will you also be his disciples? If I tell you again, will you believe? If I tell you the truth, will you believe me? Guess what? They then, then they reviled him. In other words, they gnashed on him. They made him feel like an idiot. And said, Thou people in this world that they will turn around and they'll say, well, there was a man, that, and I'll give you an example, there was a man that uh, he came up to D.L. Moody and he was drunk as a skunk. He said, Don't you Jesus' disciple, you wouldn't be in the condition you're in right now. And that's the truth. Many times we preach the gospel and we hope for one individual to be saved and then we want them to be our disciples. The best thing we can do is to prepare them for the work that is at hand. And to follow the man answered and said unto them, Why, here it is a marvelous thing that you know not from whence he he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, it was not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind. If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. Is there not a more simple testimony? And yet the reality is, that should be every one of our testimony. That should be all of us from the very beginning. When I tell others about how that I was saved, they say, explain it, say, well, here's a marvelous thing. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Not only that, that song that you just sang, that we just sang, brother, do you realize that's our scripture? I know that day. That is sovereign. That is powerful. That is reassuring. That is confidence, not in ourselves, but in Christ. And they answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in thy sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Let me just tell you what. There are many people in this world that they've been cast out of religious organizations because they don't match the religion. But our doors should be open and say, Come in. Let us find the truth. Let us know the things of God perfectly. And Jesus, this is what I love about it, verse 35, Jesus heard that they cast him out, and he went and found him, and he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? I mean, think about this. Here's the one who healed his eyes, and he sits with, he sits with this man and said, Do you believe? Do you really believe? 
And he answered and said, Who is it, Lord, that I might believe on him? I love this verse. And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. I want us to turn back to Genesis chapter 12. Here is the newfound faith of a young man who is going forward for God. Yeah, I know that Abraham's 75 years of age, but in many respects he's still a young man. And as he goes forward, he has all bit of doubt. Do you realize that every one of us have a little bit of doubt? Don't we? And it takes us a confidence. It takes the study. It has a reassurance. Do you realize that many people who live by faith do not gain the and they understood faith? Do you know this that the apostle said, Lord, increase our faith. If you had the faith of the grain of a mustard seed, Thou could say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and it would be cast into the sea, and it would occur. Now, did God say it would be instantaneous? No, it could. Every time I see a mountain knocked down, I wonder who in the world prayed that that mountain would be knocked down. Someone in the past, that mountain was in the way, and someone prayed, Lord, take that mountain down. I'm going to share something with you. Many years ago, there was a little church down in, uh, I almost say around Kingsport, I think Louis Kiger is the pastor there right now. And I remember that little church, you know, we got a call, I was pastoring in California at the time, and I got a call out of the clear blue, and someone said, Brother Peter, this church needs you. I didn't know this man from Adam and Eve. I had never met this preacher. And he said, but this church needs you. They don't have a congregation, they don't, or they have a congregation, but they have been told they had to leave their building because they, it was being condemned. Well, that little church had a bunch of builders in it, and they built them a new building. They had, a, they had the floor plan approved. They had everything approved. I mean, it was literally to the T exactly how it was going to be. When, when they finished the building, the city came in and said, you can't occupy the building. How many of you heard that story? You can't occupy the building. You need to have a paved parking lot, and that mountain's got to be removed. Well, they had no money. So you know what they did? On a Wednesday night, they began to pray. And as they were praying, this is, I am telling you, this actually happened. And as they were praying, there was literally some men that came in, and they said, we hate to disrupt you, but we're from the building department, and, and we're needing, first of all, rock. We need gravel. And that mountain behind you is a perfect rock base for us to use. Now if you will let us take that mountain and tear down that rock and use it for gravel, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pave your front driveway. We're going to take care of you all and we will do everything that is required to make sure everything's right. They didn't know about the city ordinance. They didn't know anything else. But isn't it amazing that God will take care of his people, even the smallest of churches? And we are in the presence of Almighty God and seeing his faith. Let me tell you something. Sometimes it is small faith that is there that is implied towards our living. I'll give you an example. There was a man by the name of George Mueller. And George Mueller was a man of great faith. So much so that as he began to see the need for orphanages, he gave up his practice of preaching, and he went in to watch over these orphanages. 
He never There was a single people, and as they had the money, they built orphanages. Well, pretty soon those orphanages were filled up. And as those orphanages were filled up, one day he came, and there was no food, no milk, no food, nothing for these in, for these kids to eat or drink. And they said, "Well," he said, "Have the kids come in and sit down." And after all the kids came in and they washed up and they sat down, he said, "Now let's give God the glory and give Him thanks for what we're about to receive." The headmaster that was there began to cry, we don't have anything. We don't have anything. George Mueller said, let us pray. And they gave thanks. And no sooner had he said, we give thanks to thee, O God, for what you're about to supply, the headmaster said, we don't have anything. Pardon me, governor. My cart just broke down outside your place here. It was a milk cart. And he said, we're getting ready to dump all this milk, this fresh milk, down the drains. But then we thought, we saw that your orphanage was here and thought you might be able to use the milk. Can you use the milk? Bring it right on in. We'll drink it. The kids had an abundance of milk to drink for the next couple hours or days, whatever they kept it. And they no sooner had their glasses filled and the kids were enjoying milk, there was another knock. And someone said, I have all these pastries that God has told me that you all needed. We have carts and carts of pastries. Can you have them? How many of you have heard that story? You see, faith is something that comes when you least expect it, but it will be tried. I can tell you about faith that I've had in my own experience, in my own life, and how that I have been a prayer warrior of faith, and I have fallen in faith as well. But there's one area I want you to see about this, and this is an amazing thing to me. Here is a young man who is following after God. His name is Abram, and he goes down into Egypt, and as soon as he gets into this, or goes into Canaan, and then he goes down into Egypt, and as soon as he gets there, there's a famine in the land. But there's word that there's now growing food in Egypt. And he goes, I know what we got to do. we got to go into Egypt. Me and my household and all my family, we're going to make sure that we're taken care of. But Sarah, I need you to do me a favor. Tell them that you are my sister. You're beautiful. And they'll let, you, they'll let everyone know just how pretty you are. Do you realize that even the environment can sometimes work against us? Did not Abraham leave and follow God, knowing that God was going to fulfill his promise? And yet the shakiness of faith, when the trials come, can cause us to quake all the way down to the core. Now think about that for a moment. Especially in our early faith, but this can also be at any time. When our eyes are on God and we can focus on God, then great things will happen. Reality is, is that these, these individuals went down to Egypt because they felt like this where God wanted them to go. But then after they got there, there was something amazing that began to happen. The first thing that happened was that there was a plague that began to happen upon Egypt. Not the first time that Egypt has received a plague, is it? Later on, we're going to read how that there were ten plagues that came across Egypt. But here was the women and the people that they said, there's something about this man. We never had a plague. We never had a problem. We didn't have anything until this man and this woman showed up. 
Notice verse 15. And the princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And he treated Abram well for his wife, for his sake, and had sheep and oxen and asses and men servants and maid servants, and she asses and camels, and the Lord plagued Pharaoh. <laughs> I love that. And if you notice, it goes right on in the story. You can give all you want, but now I'm going to plague you. And his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called When we try to cover up, God exposes us. Man, I have had cover-ups in my life. I have tried to hide from. I, I still, to this day, I don't like confrontation. I still don't. Because I feel like that I've got to answer what people want to hear. And so I do my dead level best never let that happen. The, 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 lone the, only, the only time that it ever occurred to me that I had a person one time say, did you do this? I said, well, I must have been the one because I'm the only one that does anything around here. And they excused my, my mistake. But the reality is, that is far and few between. Abram was blessed in spite of it. And so Abram then began to see these things happen in his life. And quite literally, as things begin to happen in his life, he then says, okay, Lord, what is it that you want? In chapter 13, we begin to see the strife between Abraham and Lot. And in chapter 13, we, it's not so much the strife between Abraham and Lot as it is his possessions and his possessions. And the two possessions cannot bear up the land. And he said, now Lot, you make the decision. If you decide to go east, I'll go west. You go north, I'll go south. You take a look and I will go in the opposite direction. And the thing is, and I learned this lesson as I studied Lot. And the one thing that I studied about Lot in his life was that his eyes went to the plains, and as he went to the plains, they were lush. They were green. They were perfect for cattle. They were perfect for animals. And he goes, I want to go there. Let me just tell you what. I, and I say this all the time to people, and I remember the first time that I heard it, when someone said, I, I want to go to such and such place because I can better my life there. Well, is it better your life, or is it where God wants you to go? Now, let's be honest. Huntington, West Virginia is not the most powerful place in the world to get, get paid. I remember this, that one time Greg and I were talking. He goes, you know what I love about this area? It's like on an even keel. We don't get high. We don't get low. We just kind of pretty much stay along the plane. And if you want to know the national average of things, I guarantee you it's not going to be what we have here in West Virginia or Ohio or in Kentucky. It's not going to be in the national average. But the reality is, is that we have a set amount of unemployment. We have those that want to work, those that don't want to work. But God takes care of us, doesn't he? And I think he takes care of us all the more, the more we focus on him. Now, here's the thing. And, and I can give you our own history and go back and say, how many times has God protected us when we didn't even deserve to be protected? By the way, I, I just interviewed for a company here in town. It's called Chick-fil-A. And uh, they want me to interview them. Or they want me, they said, can you cook? I said, I can cook up a storm. 
They said, can you uh, unload trucks? I said, I can unload trucks. Well, there's something nice about you. I went, well, imagine that. And they want me to be a host. And I said, I can do that too. I said, you know, I just, you know, full time. And they said, you want full time or part time? I said, whatever you need. And we just had the greatest fellowship together with those two, with those individuals. Well, as I talked to them and as I enjoyed the fellowship with them, I understood one little thing. If God is for it, who can be against us? And I told the individual, I said, I don't know what God wants. I don't know what God wants, but I know that he is the God that will supply my need. And sometimes he gives me more than my needs. And my faith was ever increased. I don't want to look on the plains of the world and think, boy, this is going to be good because there's deception. And Lot found the deception. But I want you to see what God said to Abraham. And at the very end, he says, I want you to look at this. He goes, arise, in verse 17, walk through the land, the length of it and the breadth of it, for I will give unto thee. Then Abraham removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plains of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and there he built an altar unto the Lord. So after all the trials of, of Egypt, Abram still had his faith in God. Now the reality is, is that we can go through chapter 14, we go through 15, and we can see all the things that goes on. But there is a situation in chapter 16 I don't want us to, to be upset and forget about. This may be our last point for today, but that's okay. I can always pick up this message next week. Reality is, is that Abram decides that, you know, God, you've forsaken me. How many of us have ever thought about that? How many of us have ever got to a place that, well, if God is for me, well, surely he's going to bless me. Well, sometimes I wonder, does he really bless us the way that we should be blessed? Reality is, is that here is Abram, and he listened and guys, please understand this. Women, if you want, you can put your fingers in your ears at this moment. Be careful when your wife says, go do it. I love what Mark Gungor said. If your wife says, go ahead, she's given you the opportunity not to go ahead, but to say, oh no, honey, you're the best there ever was. But Abram, Abram at this time said, okay, I'll listen to my wife. And he goes in and to Hagar, and maybe Sarai was like, well, you know, he won't do it. He really loves me. He's not going to let this happen. He goes in to Hagar, and guess what? Well, you told me to do it. You ever wonder if Abraham was a little bit daft? The reality is, is that Hagar conceived immediately. And she had a child named Ishmael. And I want to bring this up to you. Any time that we try to rush ahead of God, we're going to face experiences that we don't wish we would ever experience. I want you to see this. Go down to verse 15 of chapter 16 and notice what God now says to Abram. And he said, and Hagar bare Abram a son, and Abram called his son's name, which Hagar bare, Ishmael. Sounds good. El is always the name for God. But notice what it says in verse 16. And Abram was fourscore and six years old, meaning 86, 
when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram and God goes silent. I want you all to hear this. We can do things in our lives that will separate God from us in such a way that he will never talk to us again until he is ready. And the reality is for 13 years we find that Abram is having to deal with Ishmael. I'm sure he did everything he could to raise Ishmael in the right way. I'm sure that he interacted with Ishmael. I'm sure that he trained up Ishmael. I'm sure he tried to teach him about the things of God. But Ishmael was, there was a rebellious individual that was in him. In fact, the Bible tells us he was a wild man. Later on, And verse 1, when Abraham was 90 years old and 9, 13 years later, at the end of 13 years, which is a sign of rebellion, number 13 is rebellion, he then comes back to Abraham and he goes, Walk. Let's be honest. He will bless as long as we follow him. Be honest with ourselves. Are we following him? The reality is, when Abram heard this message, he thought, but I, I, I thought I was following you. Not when you laid with Hagar. And do you realize Hagar was not his to lay with? Hagar, in fact, in the book of Galatians, it says that she represents the world, not the promise. The promise fell through Isaac. The reality is, is that we find two things that happen. Number one, in verse 4 it says, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee. Not with Ishmael. My covenant is with thee. So here's the thing. When I hear people say, Well, the promise was made. And then to Jacob. And then to his people. And if we get there today, well, that's fine. If not, it's all right. But now notice again. And thou shalt be a Uh-oh. So you mean my name is going to go from Abram to something else? Yes, you are. You're no longer going to be called the father, but you're going to become the father of multitudes. Look at verse 5. Thou shalt, and that, neither shall our name be any more called Abram. Uh-oh. You know, how many of us have gotten used to a particular name? My name is Michael. Everybody knows me as Mike around this area. But when I go to a high school reunion, everybody calls me Charles or Charlie. Because when I was in school, everybody called me Charlie. I remember even my, my football coach, first of all, I'd never been called Charles in my life. 
And my football coach wanted to call me Chuck. Now, Chuck, you got to do it this way. I, I'd never been called Chuck in my life. One day he called my name, Chuck. I didn't know who he was talking to. I hadn't even gotten used to the name Charles yet. And the reality is, is that when I was in school, I became Charles. When I was at home, I was Mike. When I went to church, I was Mike. Everywhere I went, I was Mike. Now you know why my name is C. Michael Prater on my book. To distinguish who I might be. But the reality is, my name is different. My name is different. And I had to get used to the difference. The reality is, but your name is now going to be called Abraham. How many of you all know what Abraham means? It means the father of a multitude. Ishmael is a multitude. Later on, Ishmael would have 12 children of his own. Later on, Abraham would marry a woman named Keturah, and she gave him several sons. Later on, we would see Isaac would be born. But here's the thing that's amazing, and I'm going to try to conclude this today. Here's the thing that's amazing. Your name is no longer going to be what it was. It is what it is. How many of you all know that the Scripture teaches us that there is a new name given to you? A name that we can read about in the book of Isaiah. Many times in the book of Isaiah, chapter 56, chapter 62, chapter 65, and in the book of Revelation, we have a new name, a different name. A name that God has given to you and you only. And I like my name. You know why? Because Charles means manly or kingly. Yeah! Yep, it means someone who talks a lot. Now you know why I preach the way I do, Brother Randy. The reality is, is that I am a king or a man under God. Isn't that amazing? I think it's a pretty good name. But it's nothing compared to what I shall be in the presence of Almighty God. Isn't that something? He's got a name in store, and I will love that name. And I don't even know what that name is yet. And so Abram hears this message. And I want you to look at this in verse 6. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed. You know, for someone to turn around and say, well, the, the promise ended with Abraham. It did not. And later on, we're going to see how that he turns around and says, Oh, that is me. I'll do your prayer, but Israel is not the one. Ishmael will never be the one. And by the way, and I want you to get this, go down to verse 15. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai, <laughs> you're not going to call her that anymore. Her name is now Sarah. I had to look this up. Sarai means princess. And that's a pretty good name. But Sarah means noble. A noble woman. Better than a queen. Think about this for a moment, ladies. There's a new nobility in your name. Sarah trusted even Abram to the point she said, My Lord. And I know that every one of you all show me respect and you show respect to your husbands every time that we're here. 
But the day is going to come when you're going to be called the daughter of Eve, the daughter of Sarah, if we're like unto them. And men, I'm sorry, there's no way in the world that we're ever going to match that. You went from a princess to a queen. Isn't that great? So you can go home tonight and, and call Nancy queen. Or you already do. <laughs> Years ago I used to say, well, my wife is the neck that turns the head, and I was corrected. She's the crown. Go read, go read the Proverbs. And if that crown is tarnished, then you tarnished her. Enough said. And in verse 16, And I will bless her, and I will give thee a son of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed in his heart. Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old, and Sarah that is ninety years old? And Abraham said, in, said unto God, and here was the greatest mistake. Abraham was still hoping that Ishmael would be something more. Because he said, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Do you realize that part of the problem that is going on in the Middle East today is that verse? And Abram, not knowing the plan of God fully, had to deal with that. And here's what God said. And God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee, bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will. after him. And as for Ishmael, you're going to wish you had never heard that. As for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful and multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. Why was that all there? Because Abraham interceded for his, for his son. Don't you wish that was taken back? But it was all part of God's great plan to prove that he is God. I do not mention much more than what we have about the saving grace of God, but how wonderful it is. And isn't it interesting? This is just something we just scratched the surface on from the reading of God's word. How important it is that we establish and know his truth continually. I pray that the Lord will bless. We're going to be dismissed from this point, and we're going to pick up here, Lord's willing, next week. Father, again, thank you for your mercies and your truth. Help us, dear Father, to walk faithfully before you in all things. Guide and bless. In Christ we pray. Amen. Brother Randy, if you'll, you and Sister Brenda.